Good morning. Hope you guys are safe and well. And uh, got my camera setting a little weird today. It's too much white background. All right. Wait, uh, we'll give a few seconds for you guys to hop on and we get the session started. Good morning. I got Logan with me today. He's going to read off you guys' questions and we'll give it another minute and then we'll uh, get going. There's several great questions today. Uh, one question is interesting uh, from David. He wants me to talk about my first five real estate deals. So I had to sit down and really think hard. 30 years ago, what was my first five deals? The first one's easy to remember, but the second, third, fourth one, uh, I had to do a lot of soul searching to find those, but <laughs> but um, excited to share those with you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll get going. You want to hit it up? Absolutely. Good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Good morning, Masood. Good morning, Danil, Georges, Brad, Ali. Brad, it's good to see you. It's been a little bit. Um, Ali, it's always good to see everyone here. And we'll go ahead and kick it off. First question is from David. Mm -hmm. um, so he asked, can you talk about the purchase prices and sale prices of your first five deals in real estate and how you found them? And also, guys, uh, we have a training video. If you go to Manny's Instagram or any social media, um, it has the full journey of Manny going from $1 million portfolio to $100 million portfolio in six years and the, the properties, and the numbers and the case studies behind them. So if you haven't seen that video yet either, I would highly recommend checking it out. Yeah. That'll save me a lot of time. But uh, so my first property was 1996. I bought an REO home, six bedroom, four bath in Garden Grove. And uh, recently I came across the address through my old files. But anyhow, I bought it for $142,000 bank owned. I used an FHA to buy it. Uh, so I only put 3% down, which I used my uh, sales commission to put down. And this was 1996. Um, I did minor rehab, paint carpet, and then I uh, ended up renting it out. And then I sold it within a, a little over a year later uh, for $80,000 more. I took that money and I bought two more REO homes. Um, one was in Garden Grove and one in Santa Ana. I think, actually, I think that I both were in Santa Ana. And then I, they were fixer-uppers. I bought those. Those I put 20% down because now I had 80000 bucks. And then I repeat the process as sold those and took the money and bought a shopping center uh, in 1999 for 800,000. I don't remember the exact uh, purchase price, but the shopping center, I put $200,000 down and I had the seller carry um, the note for 10 years. And then I sold that uh, for 200 some thousand dollars more 18 months later and 2000, Year 2000 was my first uh, big shopping center I bought in Santa Ana. That was, again, bank-owned. So the five properties I bought in the first, I would say, uh, five years from 96 to 2001, out of five, four of them were bank-owned. And one of them was traditional sale, which was a shopping center in Whittier, about for 600. And uh, all these properties, they were fixer-upper. They had value-add component. 
And year 2000 is where I bought the REO uh, commercial retail center in Santa Ana for 670,000. And this time I used the SBA loan, 10% uh, down because I had a supermarket. Uh, I owned a supermarket prior to that. So I qualified for SBA to operate and occupy the property. So I used uh, that SBA uh, opportunity to uh, get 90% financing. And I did the remodel and I sold the property before I occupy it uh, for a million dollars more. And that's the first five deals. And then after that, I just bought a lot of units using my cash. I didn't use loan for the next five to seven properties. Mostly I flipped buying properties, cash, uh, multifamily in Long Beach and raise their rents, paint carpet, do some landscaping flip and grew that to a substantially more the following five years. But anyhow, I don't want to ramble on too much, but David, that's the first five deals. Yeah. And then as mentioned, David and everyone else, uh, we go into detail on the following um, journey from after those first five deals and 200 million on that training video. Um, so the next question from David, which deals were residential commercial and the type of financing structure used to purchase them? You already touched on this a little bit. Is there anything mm -hmm. that you want to add? No. So the first five deals, three were residential single family homes. The three REO I bought 96 to 99. And then the last two of the five was a commercial. And I already told you guys how much I put down. Awesome. And uh, his last follow-up question, he said, having the knowledge and experience you have now, mm -hmm. would there be anything you would do differently today? Nope. I would do the same thing because I, you know, the, uh, you know, assuming I would have the same cash position is when I started, I would do the FHA. Once I have money, I would uh, put the 20% down. You can only get one FHA for first-time home buyer, so you can't keep getting FHA, FHA, FHA. <laughs> you pull that card once, um, and then uh, yeah, once you have equity, ten thirty-one into the next, you know, value-add opportunities. All right, and uh, good morning to everyone else who hopped in a little bit after. We got Hans in the house, Tigran, Armin, uh, Z, Zamir. Good morning to everyone. And our next question is from Vince. Mm -hmm. um, so Vince, good to see you as well. Ask some great questions. In the U.S., is it common for lease agreements to nominate the tenant to pay for all the outgoing expenses? Uh, not necessarily. Depends on what type of property. Um, older office buildings, they're all gross uh, leases, which means the landlord bears all the expenses. Uh, industrial retail, those two asset classes is very uh, standard to have triple net lease. So the tenant pays their share of operating expenses uh, for the property, except for roof and any cap major capex. Like if they have to change chillers or you know air conditioning units, those are again uh, amortized by landlord over the years. But uh, office buildings um, and obviously multifamily, those are not triple net leases. The landlord pays all the expenses. All right. And uh, he said, if so, is this favorable for you when looking for a good commercial investment? Or mm -hmm. do you prefer properties that all the outgoings are covered by the landlord so you trim costs for an easy value add? Mm, no, it doesn't really matter. You always want to buy properties that have a higher operating expense. You want to trim it. It doesn't matter if it's on gross lease or triple net. 
because uh, just uh, you know to break it down on your triple net how you build a tenant you have the base rent and then you have your triple net expenses so if you reduce your triple net expenses your ba base rent goes up you're still getting gross uh, same dollar amount and you end up increasing your NOI even on a triple net lease so uh, it really doesn't matter the reason I like triple net is when you sell properties certain estates in uh, United States when you sell property the property tax gets reset based on the purchase price like California if you have a gross lease uh, property well the new buyer is going to deduct the increased property tax from the NOI so you'll result in a lower sales price but if it's triple net it's going to get passed through the tenants so you'll end up you know uh, selling it at a higher price because of that property tax reset the buyers will not ding you for it um, that's the only reason otherwise it doesn't matter if it's triple net or gross if you reduce the expenses you'll just increase your base rent so you're still collecting the same gross all right and then his last question said mm -hmm. also may i ask what you are doing uh example buying selling or holding based on the current trend of the real estate cycle i.e peak recession trough and recovery yeah great question well you know nobody can time the market but uh you know the cycle sometimes takes four years sometimes takes eight years this has been the longest stretch and this was definitely extended by the fed uh dropping the rate and also putting the freeze on you know the evictions and also foreclosures uh, but what am i doing well i'm looking to buy distress mismanaged um, office uh, low rise to med rise uh, office assets that i can just buy and hold for the next at least three four years um, i believe office will come back but that's one asset class that's getting uh, really distressed because investors and banks don't want to um, you know they don't want to wait five years for their recovery but i'm a patient investor and a contrarian so that's what i'm doing all right and a good segue to that is our next question um, from Mustafa. So first, Mustafa is a newer member here. Welcome. Welcome. So a uh, great question. He said, to act as a contrarian, mm -hmm. what should we look for to buy in the Houston market at this time in the price range of about $5 million, And what should we not look for? Oh, um, to be honest with you, Mustafa, first of all, welcome to the program. Uh, if you find any real estate asset class, doesn't matter multifamily, multifamily industrial, retail, or office, um, or even mixed use, if it's mismanaged and it's in a good area, I would buy that. I mean, it doesn't matter. But in general, office uh, asset class is the one that's becoming out of favor. And as a contrarian, I like to buy things that are out of favor because you know, it's a, it becomes more of a buyer's market on that asset class. So I would say mid rise to low rise office, uh, you know, multi-tenant office that's been mismanaged or is distressed. Uh, I would stay away from anything six story plus. Um, that's the one that's going to take longer to, for recovery. Just make sure it's in a good area and it's mismanaged. Doesn't matter what asset class. All right. Uh, next question, he said, how do you deal with leasing brokers to make them aggressive 
Mm-hmm. Do you mark any deadline for them or define any motivational prizes? Well, you know, a dollar a foot bonus always helps uh, because they'll push that property that they're getting a bonus on. But more importantly, because leasing brokers have multiple assets to market, um, they tend to perform better on property listings they have that the owner keeps them accountable. Um, and what I found to be effective is having a weekly meeting with them, um, just get a progress report um, on a weekly basis, at the minimum on a monthly basis. Um, some of them may get annoyed if you're reaching out to them every week, but every other week, maybe have a lunch with them, meet them at the building, walk through, pick their brain, ask them, what can I do to help you lease my building quicker? Uh, they may recommend some you know, uh, tenant improvement uh, to make the vacancies more desirable. Um, but doing that, um, that'll put pressure on them to perform and they're going to get tired of you pushing them. <laughs> so they want to, they want to go ahead and perform and, and the bonus does help those. I would say those two are pretty effective. If it's the right broker, you'll, uh, get them to perform. All right. Um, and then this next question uh, so Mustafa is also based in Houston, or at least he's looking to invest in Houston. That's where he's mm-hmm. relating all these questions to. And he said, can you walk us in detail through the steps of your research on a foreclosed property? You may want to purchase beyond a non-foreclosed property uh, purchase research. Where do you start and what documents do you study? Well, on an office building uh, or any commercial property is no different than doing a regular due diligence. Um, specifically though, when you get to commercial property that's foreclosed, you want to pay attention to the title report and have a, you know, attorney that can review that for you, uh, just to make sure, you know, if there is any substandard liens filed because the previous owner defaulted or didn't properly care for the building. And there is some kind of substandard lien from city or something on there that's going to be difficult to cure. Usually the bank's asset managers do uh, review that before they list it because otherwise they'd be in default. But the first shopping center I bought in 2000, that uh, scenario exactly was the case. Uh, There was a substandard lien file. The uh, previous owner didn't uh, properly care for the building and the building was considered unsafe and the bank was forced to bring it up to code. Anyhow, but... There is no really any difference between the bank owned property on a, on a commercial level that you want to do due diligence versus the regular one. You do it all the same checklist that I have in my program. All right. And then, uh, you asked purchasing your first property in Arizona. Yeah. How much did you know the market and how did you get the confidence that what you were purchasing was a good purchase? Great question. Uh, I looked on LoopNet. I looked at price per foot and cap rates and read the notes, guys, read the notes. The notes said uh, dissolving partnership must sell. I love that. I mean, that's a motivated seller. They had a price reduction already. And the cap rate, I think it was like a nine or a 10 cap uh, on a multi-tenant office. And this was on 2020, I want to say West Indiana School Road in Phoenix. And I bought, I think, 2003 for 1.875, if I recall correctly, or one and a half, I don't remember. Uh, But yeah, so out of 
10 properties I looked in Phoenix up to 2 million bucks. Uh, this one has stand out because it was a motivated seller price reduction and uh, higher cap rate and lower price per foot. Awesome. All right. And then our next question from Mozzie. Uh, he asked some questions last week too. So I appreciate you engaging. He's another new member. Welcome. Uh, so welcome to Mozzie, to the program. He said, do you think it's wise to give the market more time to present more opportunities to invest in your first commercial property or actively mm -hmm. seek something now? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you got to be patient. Uh, remember, you're going out hunting. So you don't want to just shoot anything, right? You want to, uh, uh, you know, shoot the right catch. Uh, obviously, if you got two or three million bucks to play with, uh, I would definitely diversify. You don't have to wait because, you know, calling the bottom is almost impossible. But as long as you find something that's 30% discount to market, you can start diversifying and start your position, you know, start a small position. Maybe if you have 2 million bucks, you want to put $500,000 to work. Uh, if you find a mismanaged, distressed uh, property, uh, there are those in the market even now, if your market search is nationwide, multiple states, um, I'm certain you can find that now. But if you're really laser focused in California, Orange County, whatever your market, you want to trade that, then you got to be patient. You got to wait. All right. Next question. As a first commercial investment, what would I need to prepare and mm -hmm. do to be able to get approved for a commercial loan? And how much leverage should I expect? Yeah. Typical leverage is 70%. Uh, when you want to start buying your first real estate, unless you're occupying it, like I got SBA loan, uh, the, you know, the, bro the lenders are going to look for experience. Uh, have you had any real estate in, you know, in your holdings? Um, if you don't, the, what you want to do, you want to definitely engage a third party, uh, property management during your due diligence, or even before then I would recommend. So they could, uh, you could provide a letter from them that they're going to be, uh, managing the asset for you. And the lender is going to ask for their website or, uh, bio on, on the company. As long as you have a professional third-party management company that's going to handle it, the lenders are typically uh, going to be comfortable, and also they're going to want to see who's going to be leasing it. So if you got those two, and you have some good reserves and you have good credit, you should be fine with a thirty percent down. All right, and then what would be the ideal investment you would look for today, mm -hmm. knowing that this is your first commercial deal and you're just getting started? Hmm. I would say a small retail center or a very small multi-tenant office, uh, single story to a story that's mismanaged and is very, it looks very tired because you can easily put the lipstick on and completely change the look um, and is priced at a discount. Um, that's what I would do. A, a retail center is much easier to put the lipstick on um, than an office because office is more interior. Uh, retail is more exterior, right? So it's easier uh, to get a no noticeable change on a retail center, putting awning, paints, palm trees, uh, resurfacing the parking lot. Um, I would look for a small retail center. All right. Next question from Bryce. Good to see you. He said, I'm looking at a multi-tenant office building, uh, but one of the larger tenants is the state's Department of Health. This seems like a positive, but I'm curious mm -hmm. as to your thoughts on this. 
Well, how large? If it's under 20% of the uh, property, I think I'm okay with it. Uh, just keep in mind, any government tenant is going to have a termination clause. We call it out clause. And because they're all really uh, dependent on the budgets, right? They get funded by government. So if there's budget cuts, guess what? That tenant gets cut out of your rent roll. Um, that's the risk. Um, and also you mentioned health uh, department, right? Um, if it's a state health department, you want to make sure they don't have mental health department there because you're going to have all kinds of wacko coming to your building. Uh, I've had bad experience with that in Texas um, at a health department. Uh, actually, it was a pain uh, med uh, department. And you just got to be careful. It, it, it Sometimes those tenants do scare off other quality tenants. Um, that's the only thing with the limited info you gave me. Those are the two things I would watch out for. Size up the tenant and also what do they exactly, uh, what kind of patients they provide service to. All right. So now we'll go ahead and hop into the comments. And um, our first one is from Facebook user. For some reason, it's mm -hmm. not showing on the Facebook side, but it is showing in StreamYard. Um, mm -hmm. So I apologize. I don't see your name. He said, hi, Manny. I'm more of a passive investor and still learning on how to allocate my investment portfolio. I think I have a balanced portfolio with 50% in brokerage account stocks and bonds, 35% in direct real estate owned for long term, 5% LP real estate deals for growth, 7% angel deals, 1% crypto, and 2% cash. What, oh boy. Is, what is your suggestion, strategy, and philosophy for passive investing? That's a tough one um, because I don't know that 35% direct real estate, is that in, a, in your home or is this in a fourplex, a six-unit apartment complex? Um, are you open to uh, buying multifamily or a small retail center? Because, uh, look, if you could be passive, you don't have to manage a retail center or office building. There's third-party, uh, re reputable third-party companies. They can take that headache off your hands. They char charge you three to five percent of revenue that comes in, but they handle everything. And they send, you know, they deposit the money in your bank account. They send you a monthly PL balance sheet, do the whole nine yards. So you're basically hands off. The only time they're gonna have a phone call with you is if they have a lease proposal or there is some capital improvements the building needs. They're gonna meet with you probably quarterly, what have you. So uh, to better guide you, I really want to know are you, how passive you want to be or are you open to that? Because the bulk of the money you're going to make in real estate is not going to be through an LP uh, or a REIT or a fund. Uh, it would be mostly either co-owned investment with some other investor that's aggressively buying distressed real estate like me or buying on your own a distressed real estate value that you can uh, uh, put uh, you know, your funds in. And also, I don't know your nest egg. Did he mention how much is his nest egg? He did not. Up. So if it's two million bucks or it's three hundred thousand bucks, so thirty-five percent of what? So, but that's what I would recommend. All right. Our next question is from Z. He said, "Hi, Manny. Are there lenders out there that will lend at fifteen percent without doing SBA? Seems hard to get SBA loan if you can't mm -hmm. occupy at least fifty-one percent of the property." Mm-hmm. So 15% down payment on a commercial property, non-SBA. I'm sure there are, but I don't know them. <laughs> you know, you could always get a 75% uh, 
uh, first trustee loan. And I know lenders that do hard money on a second, but that's not something I would recommend. That's being extremely aggressive. And you really have to have a tenant in tow or some kind of a exit strategy that's guaranteed. Um, for example, if you have a buyer uh, or tenant that wants to occupy this building, but they don't want to own it. Yeah, I would get aggressive buying that with hard money, put the tenant in there and then refinance three months later, that type of scenario. Um, but yeah, it'd be difficult with 15% down payment. All right. And then um, also on the 51% occupancy, Manny, is that intent to occupy that space or does he need to be able to do it right away? Um, it's the intent. I mean, you have to really occupy it. What happened with my situation in 2000, um, I, when I put the sign, you know, uh, you know, my store's opening soon, uh, I got notified by the previous buyer that bought my supermarket uh, one mile down the road that, hey, you have a covenant not to compete. And I didn't realize I had that in the purchase contract. So I was, I couldn't even occupy it if I wanted to, uh, he would have sued me. So I wrote a letter to SBA uh, that I can't occupy because I have a covenant not to compete. So it turned out to be my luck. I sold it and I didn't even have to pay the prepay for the SBA. So it was a unique situation, but typically with SBA, just like FHA, your intention has to be to occupy the property. Now you could occupy it for a few months and then say it's not working out and sublease it but you have to have a lease in place with you as an operator occupying, occupying it between the entity, which is owned by yourself that owns the asset. All right. Uh, then we got Paul asked the questions. Good to see you. Uh, hopefully you're doing the double header and we'll see you on the contrarian call too. And um, congratulations to, to the new family. Uh, so he has said, good morning, Manny. Going back to the first two commercial REO deals, where do we find commercial REO? Commercial REO um, on 10x.com. <laughs> there, uh, there is some on there, but major majority of uh, distressed commercial real estate hasn't uh, filtered through the market yet. It hasn't come to the asset managers of the banks, which at that point, usually the mortgage servicers uh, step in to take over the asset. I'm seeing some, but uh, in 2008 recession, it took a couple of years, um, actually three years, 2011, you saw the bulk of the REO. So it takes two to three years for it to filter through the system and become um, controlled by the servicers. So be patient. I think uh, the office assets are definitely in distress, but it won't be two years before you see the big uh, chunk coming to the market. But go on 10x and just put bank owned and you can use that filter um also on coaster i'm sure he has a filter for it and see what pops in the market you're looking for and if you don't see z if you see zero expand your market i'm sure you're going to find some all right uh next question is from benjamin he said hi manny have you been keeping track of china's re market most of their institutions are heading into default through the end of this month my guess is this is the start of the pop of the bubble. Yeah, I mean, China is a different country. Um, I don't see how that cross collateralizes to US um, unless the US banks have heavily loaned to those projects in China, which I'm not 
aware of. Um, but I'm just looking at my own market and I see here we have triple amount of vacancies in office than the Great Recession, triple. So that will equate to a lot of REOs in office asset class. And I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, next question from Khalid. He said, good morning, Manny. Good morning. Have you ever come across a seller who owns a lot of buildings and land in a specific area and is mainly considered in finding the right buyer rather than highest price because he feels the right buyer can add value to the surrounding buildings, which he also owns? Does the hmm. seller need to know what his building will be used for once sold? Hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, the only you know, landlord I can think of is Irvine company that rarely sells anything. I don't even think he's ever sold any office buildings, but the rest of the, uh, you know, ownership of commercial properties in my area, they're all as smaller. There's Oland properties. There is, uh, you know, Colton, and then there is the Irvine companies of the world. But, uh, no, that scenario I have not come across yet. All right. Next question from Mike. He said, when it comes to apartment multifamily buildings, what are examples of mismanagement that can create significant upside? Uh -huh. Multifamily mismanagement. Well, one is not taking care of the building. There is roof leaks. Um, there is, uh, you know, the windows, doors probably don't open <laughs> properly. The tenants are complaining and carpets are worn. He hasn't replaced the carpets in five years. Those are the signs uh, you'll see through visual inspection when you walk the property. And those are immediate, um, you know, value add. You can uh, go ahead, do and increase the rents on the tenants. But typically mismanaged properties are ones that show deferred maintenance. And aside from obvious, you know, if there is one or two vacant units that uh, that landlord is not putting money to uh, lease them up, but that's going to be super rare in this market. All right. Well, we've reached our 30 minutes. Uh, great questions this week, guys. I enjoyed it. And if I didn't get to some of your questions, please post them. So Logan will reach out to me and I'll respond to those. With that, uh, wish you guys a great week. Be safe, be well, and see you guys next week.